Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. The second angel poured out his bowl on the sea and it became blood as of a dead man and every living notice every living underline that every living creature in the sea died underlined every living creature and why do i say that because this judgment sounds similar to the one that we saw in revelation 8 and it also sounds very similar to the 10 plagues of egypt Hi, everyone, and welcome to our Bible study on Truth in Christ Radio. Today, Pastor Rob continues in chapter 16 in the book of Revelation with the bold judgments of the wrath of God on the earth. This is the second bold judgment. Our scripture says, Then the second angel poured out his bowl on the sea, and it became blood as of a dead man. Revelation chapter 8, 8 through 9, describe the partial contamination of the sea. Here, the contamination is made complete. Every living creature in the sea died. Now let's join Pastor Rob as he continues our study. Don't you want to be obedient to the Lord? Don't you want to love him and express your love? Jesus said, if you love me, you'll obey my commandments. Now, can we keep the commandments? There's more than just ten Actually, Jesus really narrowed it down to two. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. All those two, the Ten Commandments are wrapped up in those two because they either talk about God or our relationship with man. And the two tables of stone were divided up in such a way. But don't you want to be obedient to God? As a way to say, Lord, I love you, and I love the promise in 1 John that if we, if we do sin, we confess it. And if we confess it, what does it say? He will be faithful to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And folks, that's what we have to do every single day, because none of us are perfect. None of us have arrived. Until the day that we are raptured from this earth, we will still struggle with sin. We will still have issues of sin. We will still sin. Hopefully we'll sin less tomorrow than we did this last week. But when we blow it, guess what? We have an advocate. We can go before, and the blood of Christ covers our sin. But we must confess, right? And they will be for, it will be forgiven. And then it's up to us to say, Lord, give me that gift of repentance. It is a gift, I believe, to turn away and to never come back again. And if you fall again, you get back up again. The righteous man falls seven times, and he gets back up again. 
Don't let the devil beat you over the head when you fail and say, you're done. You've done this so many times. And you keep saying, oh, Lord, forgive me, forget. And then you do it again. Oh, forgive me, Lord. Then you do it again. Listen, you keep confessing and you keep fighting and you never, ever give up. Never give up. Don't ever give up. No matter how bad it gets, the devil knows. He can't take away your salvation, but he can certainly take away your joy and your effectiveness of being a Christian. But guess what? He can't take your soul. Your soul has been purchased. So when you fall, you get right back up again and you confess it and you move on and you trust the efficacy of the blood of Christ to forgive that sin. You can do that, by the way. Do you know that? You plead the blood of Christ. But notice this commission to pour out the bowls of wrath. It reminds me very much of the commission that Jesus gave to his disciples after his death and resurrection. Remember in Matthew 28? What did he say? Notice these angels, they say, or the, 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 the voice from the temple says, Go and pour out the bowls of the wrath of God on the earth. And what did Jesus tell his disciples that day in Galilee? He says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I'll be with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. Notice the different commissions. The church is given a commission. I just read that. And then finally, after the church is removed, and toward the end, the latter part of the Great tribulation, now there is another commission, an angelic commission. God commissions them to go and to pour out the bowls of wrath upon the earth. And notice, and so the first went and poured out his bowl upon the earth, and a foul and loathsome sore came upon the men who had, who had the mark of the beast and those who worshipped his image. Remember, there's a time in the, in the coming in the tribulation where uh, anyone who wants to buy or sell is going to have to take a mark on their hand or in their forehead in order for them to buy or sell. And that will also be an allegiance to the one. Okay? you got to remember that. Now, we're going to be gone. If you're a believer, you're going to be gone. You're not going to be here during this. But those who take the beast will be damned. There'll be no going back after they receive that mark. And if you think of this, you know, they worship the image of the beast that is placed in the temple. We, we looked at that when we were in Revelation 13. And this is very reminiscent of the, the, the sore that was placed upon them. We saw the very same thing in the sixth plague that God poured out upon the Egyptians. Remember when they were uh, the children of Israel were in Egypt? God was pouring out ten different plagues upon Pharaoh, upon ten different gods that they worshipped, to show the impotence of those gods and the supreme authority that God had over all of his creation. What did it say in Exodus 9, verses 8 through 9? It says, The Lord said to Moses, Take yourselves handfuls of ashes from a furnace, and let Moses scatter it toward the heavens in the sight of Pharaoh, and it will become fine dust in all the land of Egypt, and it will cause boils that break out on sores on the men. Very similar, this bowl of wrath that we're talking about now based on what has happened in the past. God often uses his nature and things of nature to bring about his bidding. And notice it was those who worshipped his image. Worshipped his image. Didn't God establish that in the Ten Commandments? What did he say in Exodus 20? 
What was the very first thing? You shall have no other gods before me. You shall make for yourself a carved image. And now here they are in the tribulation period, worshiping an image in the temple of God of this Antichrist, this image that represents him. But God had spoken hundreds and a few thousand years ago. You shall not make for yourself a carved image, any likeness of anything that is in heaven above, that is in the earth beneath, that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow or serve them. How clear could it be? And then what did he say when Moses was getting ready to bring the children of Israel after they came out of Egypt and they had gone through the 40 years in the desert? As they were standing there at the Jordan, remember Moses is rehearsing for them the history. And what does he tell them in Deuteronomy 28 verse 15? He speaks about the curses or the, the blessings of obedience and the curses of disobedience. And what was one of the curses of obedience? There are many, but look at this one. But it shall come to pass, if you do not obey the voice of the Lord your God, to observe carefully all his commandments and his statutes, which I command you today, that all these curses will come upon you and overtake you. And there's a whole bunch of them listed there, but one of them is in verse 27, which says this, The Lord will strike you with boils of Egypt with tumors, with the scab, and with the itch from which you cannot be healed. Very similar to what we see here now in the end of the age as God is pouring out his wrath. And Satan has always wanted to be worshipped. To put an image up in the, in, the, in the temple, midway through the seven-year period that we call the Daniel's 70th week, the Great Tribulation, In Isaiah 14, the heart of Lucifer has not changed. For what did he say? I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will also sit on the mount of the congregation on the farthest sides of the north. I will ascend above the height of the clouds. I will be like the Most High. Sounds like he's got a, 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 what's the word I want? Um, He's got an esteem problem. I, 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 the five I wills of Isaiah 14. This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to do. I'm going to do. Don't you, does it bother you when somebody all they talk about is themselves? He would write an autobiography of himself every year and, and talk about himself. That's what Satan would do. Look what I've done. He's always wanted to be worshipped. Notice now in verse 3, the second bull is now turned and poured upon the earth. The second angel poured out his bowl on the sea, and it became blood as of a dead man. And every living, notice, every living, underline that, every living creature in the sea died. Underlined, every living creature. And why do I say that? Because this judgment sounds similar to the one that we saw in Revelation 8, and it also sounds very similar to the ten plagues of Egypt. Let's first look at the one in in, in Exodus This was the very first of the ten plagues. What did Moses do when he stretched out his rod upon the Nile River? It became as blood. And that's recorded for us there in Exodus 7, beginning in verse 20. But what does it say in Revelation chapter 8 when it speaks of the second trumpet? In fact, you're going to find that these bowls and trumpet judgments almost go along with each other, but there is something that is done in part in the trumpet judgments, and then there's something that is completed and finally finished in the bowl judgments. And you'll see what I mean right now. In Revelation 8, verses 8 and 9, it's the second trumpet judgment. 
Not the bowl judgment, but the second trumpet judgment. Notice what it says. The second angel sounded, and something like a great mountain burning with fire was thrown into the sea. And notice, a third of the sea became blood. And a third of the living creatures in the sea died, and a third of the ships were destroyed. But what does it tell us in the verse that's before us? Every living creature in the sea It became blood as of a dead man. Every living creature in the sea died, not just one-third. So now God is upping the ante, if you will. He's increasing the intensity. The throttle now is not halfway. It's full bore. It's all the way to 10. And he's pressing it so hard, it's even stretching to 11. But notice that this judgment now is universal rather than just in part or by a fraction. And notice in verse 4, the third bowl. The third angel poured out his bowl on not only the, the sea, but the rivers and the springs of water, and they became blood. When we compare that to the third trumpet, it's kind of interesting. The third trumpet in Revelation 8 verse 10 says this, that the third angel sounded and a great star fell from heaven like a burning torch, and it fell on a third of the rivers. Notice, a third of the rivers and on the springs of water. But now, in this last bold judgment, he poured out his bowl on the rivers and the springs, and they became blood, the entirety of them. And the fact that all the waters are now turned into blood signify the time of the end of Jesus returning to earth is very soon, because life can't be sustained without water. Probably every bottled water in the, in the world that's been sitting in a warehouse at this time is going to be used because everything else is going to be blood. And once that runs out in a very short period of time, Jesus must return, and he will. That's how short this time is getting now. And it's interesting, too, as we look at verses 5 through 7 here in our text this morning, that it's going to show that even the angels, even the angels, as God is pouring out his wrath, they are in agreement and full agreement with what he is doing. And that is so foreign to our thinking of angelic beings. It's foreign to our thinking about God, even. We don't like to think about God being just in pouring out wrath. This is a really tough chapter, isn't it? Don't worry, it's going to get better because in Revelation 19, verse 11, oh, the skies are going to part and we're going to see glorious things. I can't wait to Revelation 21 and 22. We're going to have ourselves a party when we get there because oh, all the darkness is lifted. And I can't wait for that day. But notice what the, what the angels say in verses 5 through 7. And I heard the angel of the waters saying, notice what they say. You are righteous, O Lord, the one who is, the one who, and who was and who is to be, because you have judged these things. You're right in what you do, Lord, because of the nature of man, because of what they have done. You are just and righteous for what you've done. And I even love the idea that it says, the one who is and who was and is to be. Do you notice the, the, the way that that's worded? It didn't say the one who was and the one who is and the one who is to be. It says the one who, who is right now. He's with you. He's with you. He's taking care of the present. He's here with you in the present. And by the way, he's also taken care of, and he was with you in the past. And guess what? He's also with you and will be with you in the future. 
I love the order of that because it speaks about here and now, not just about something that happened way back when. No, he's with you now. He is Emmanuel, God with us. Amen? I love that. But notice what they, they continue to speak. And he says, they, they say, For they have shed the blood of saints and prophets, and you have given them blood to drink, for it is their just due. What? It is their just due? These angels are saying, these, let them have it, God. That it seems so foreign, doesn't it, to us? But there does come a point when God says, I've exhausted all of my opportunities to reach Now the hammer falls. And folks, that is another part of love. The world doesn't like it. The politically correct world says, I will never serve a God like that. Well, that's fine. You don't have to. One day you will bow before him, and hopefully you'll bow before him in reverence and give your heart to him. Because God is a God of love. He gave everything. Did he withhold his own son? God died on the cross for you and me. Is there anything more that he could have done? There's nothing more that he could have done. A holy God who was without sin took the penalty that you and I deserve. There's nothing more he could have done. No one will stand before God and say, I didn't have a chance. No one will stand before the God, before God and say, it just wasn't enough, God. I, I needed something more. No, there's nothing more. That's it. Jesus Christ and him crucified and resurrected. And he's coming back. And he's coming back as the lion of the tribe of Judah to smash and to crush sin, finally. God is serious. He's serious about his love. And think of the great love he has bestowed upon us. Great love. A love that is, nobody's ever seen that kind of love before. It is their just due. But God is serious about his love. His love is demonstrated for us on the cross. But he's also serious about judgment. And that's the other side of the coin of God that nobody likes to talk about, but it nonetheless is there. And we have to come to terms with it. And we have to warn people. We have to warn them. Nobody, you know, the, the thing that brought me to Christ was fear originally, honestly. Somebody told me, Rob, because of your sin, you are going straight to hell without passing go unless you repent. I was involved in all kinds of stuff, and I had somebody who had the guts, a Christian who had the guts to tell me, Rob, you're in serious trouble. And he didn't just tell me that. He opened the Bible, and he showed it to me, and I looked at it from my own self with my own eyes, and I saw the black and white ink, and all of a sudden, I began to tremble. No kidding. This is a true story. When I read it for myself in the Old Testament and the New Testament, I was done I was like, oh God, help. And I cried out convulsively to him to forgive me, and he did. Oh boy, he hit me like a ton of bricks. I wasn't a slow burn. I was like, he just smashed me with a hammer in his love, and I loved it. I tell you, it just crushed me in a wonderful way. But God's love is great. His wrath is great as well. I'm so glad I'm on the love side, aren't you? He took the wrath upon himself for us in our place. Hallelujah, right? Because evil people who are on the earth at that time, who have killed God's people, they will be worthy of death. And not only that, but eternal death. Eternal death. And God is perfect in his love. He's perfect in his wrath. What does it say in Malachi chapter 3, verse 6? God says, I am the Lord. I do not change. I don't change. I'm not capricious like the God of Islam, where you could do all the things, and I'm just having a bad day, so you're going to die. 
That's how capricious the other gods are, especially the God of Islam. But God will not violate himself, his promises. He will not violate his commandments. He cannot deny who he is because he is immutable. He changes not. And God does not delight in the death of the wicked. And he is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Notice in verse 7, back in our text, it says, And I heard another from the altar saying, Even so, Lord God Almighty, notice again, true and righteous are your judgments. Who is this voice from the altar? Well, I believe it's probably the same voice that we read about in Revelation chapter 6. The tribulation saints, what does it say in Revelation 6? Verse 9, when he opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls who had been slain for the word of God and for the testimony which they had. And they cried out with a loud voice. And notice what did they say? How long, O Lord, holy and true, until you judge and avenge your blood on those who dwell on the earth? Well, it's funny you should ask because he's doing it right now in this verse. He's doing it right here in verse 7. Another from the altar, verse 7, says, Even so, Lord, God Almighty, true and just are your judgments. Notice verses 8 and 9 in the, the fourth bowl. Then the fourth angel poured out his bowl on the sun, and power was given to him to scorch men with fire. And the men were scorched with great heat. And notice what they did. They repented, all of them, and they gave glory to God. Is that what it says? No, it says that they blasphemed the name of God who has power over these plagues, and they did not repent and give him glory. They didn't repent. Sounds a lot like Pharaoh. Remember the judgments of Pharaoh? Each successive plague that came against Egypt, the Bible says after that plague, and Pharaoh's heart was hardened. You know, Pharaoh hardened his heart. Pharaoh hardened his heart. And there got to a point, and I think it happened three times in those ten plagues, where God said, where it says that God hardened Pharaoh's heart. What is the idea behind this? There's a point where we harden our heart, we harden our heart, and we harden our heart, and God says, is that really what you want? Do you really want to live with a hardened heart? And then he says, I will give you a hard heart. I will let you have your hard heart. What a horrible thing for anyone to hear from a God, from God Almighty. But such is the heart of man. What does it say in First Timothy? It says, The Spirit expressly says that in the latter times, which we live now, folks, some will depart from the faith. Notice, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their own conscience seared with a hot iron. Do you know what happens when you throw a steak on a grill at high temperature? Which you should do, by the way, if you're grilling a steak. You turn the grill all the way up to high. You sear it on both sides for at least a minute. And then you turn the heat down and then you get your markings. I know this. But when a conscience is seared, all that putrescence that's inside gets sealed up. And there comes a point where your conscience can get seared when you will not hear the truth. You'll depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of demons. And people's consciences, even today, are being seared because they refuse to see the truth right before them. It's like they would rather go along with the group and continue to be deceived and to deceive, be deceived and to, de- and to deceive, than to see the truth. It's happening right now. People are choosing to not see the truth. And this goes more than just the gospel. 
people are choosing not to see. In 2 Timothy 3, verse 12, it says, Yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus, what? Will suffer persecution. We've seen that probably in your own lives. You've experienced it. But notice, but evil men and imposters will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. And boy, are we seeing that today. I'm sorry, that's all the time we have for today. But please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our journey through the book of Revelation. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office. You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things, such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester Sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Play and Apple Podcast. You may also join us on Sundays and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you in your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.